0: You're listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Thank you so much for that song. I really enjoyed especially the line, Let us experience the glory of your goodness. That's, that's a wonderful outcome of practicing God's presence, which is what we're going to be looking at today. And you have your handout in front of you. Um, so let's ask God to help us. Oh, God, at times we are astounded that you love to be with us, that you're such a highly relational being. And so we ask you now, just help us to be stirred by the idea of being conscious of your presence all day long. Just show us what we need to know. We always need your help in the name of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, and the great power of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to start with an illustration of what this looks like and some of the effects that it normally has on you when you engage in that wild phrase of Paul's, praying without ceasing, which sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? Oh yes, and it's not really like that because it's much more of a it's It's much more of just kind of the way you roll it's it's more than prayer because it's all the time and then it's less than prayer because you're not trying to cover all your bases and all that kind of stuff so it's more informal so this is this is an example of what it looks like and how it can change us so um, quite a few years ago, the church I was a part of had an outreach program where once a month they we went to certain um, streets, and we would go door to door, and we would pass out. Um, uh, we'd knock on the door, and we'd, we'd give people a glow pen, you know, that had the, the church's name on it, and we would just say, we're here to help you. If you would like to pray, we're here. And so I thought this was a really good program because you never know what's going on behind closed doors, and people need you, but I didn't want to do it you know, the closet introvert, oh, right, I really want to walk the streets and do this. So I always had some reason each month why I was unable to do this. And then there was a month where I didn't have a reason. And I really had a sense that God was doing, as we talked about last night, if you were here, being open, adventurous, and reflective. And I thought, oh, gee, here we go. So it didn't start out well. I really didn't want to do it. And then I get in the car and my daughter was with me. She was only like 14 at that time. And we're on the way to church and, and it's an, it was an um, even numbered day, which meant she chose the radio station, which meant I was going off to serve Jesus listening to Madonna. Well, okay, that's great preparation to have the heart of God, right? But what I found, this was very creative, a God idea, no doubt, is if I turned all the words backwards from what she said, it kind of worked. You know, with the focus, maybe not on me, but on, so, so by the time I got there though, then I went, oh gee, what am I doing here? So they give us our stuff and they assign me to be uh, partners with George, who is like the most friendly person in the world. So he's going to do a great job, right? I'm going to do a bad job. So we, I get in George's truck and we get to the street we're supposed to go to. And I'm thinking, I got to offload George. I don't want him to know how bad I am at this. You know, Christians hate failing in front of each other (laughs) more than they hate failing. So, so I said, see, you know, so I took this side of the street and, um, I'm going down the street and, and I start out at the first house and this gorgeous Latina opens the door. And I mean, she had this hair that was just like cascading and it was, and then she had a, she had a baby right on her arm. And I think that's what did it. Because honestly, some of the hardest years of my life were babies, toddlers, all of that. I Most of the time, I felt like I had no clue what was going on. And I saw her and I, saw, I thought, honest, I thought, how does she do her hair? Look at that kid. <laughs> and it immediately threw me into prayer. I thought, I remember this. Uh, you know, this woman needs, you know, she needs some support. She needs to know that God loves her. And so I'm just here and, and I just said the things I was supposed to say and she just started talking and I was more and more mesmerized. And I thought, oh my goodness, this was actually kind of fun. Imagine that. And it And as the day wore on, it just continued that way. But what made the change was that for decades, I had been practicing the presence of God. And it started with the toddlers, believe me. You know, how do you change a diaper for Jesus? Well, I worked on that for a long time. That's what my book, Enjoying the Presence of God, my editor said, this is kind of like Brother Lawrence moves to L.A. And I said, yes, and he has toddlers too. So um, this is what can happen. And I talked before about that whole idea of you do the connecting and God does the perfecting. That's what spiritual practices are about. You do the things that help you connect with God, and God changes you in that moment to the kind of person your dog thinks you already are, which you think is impossible, but it actually can occur. It surprised me that my attitude turned around so quickly, but and you know, I looked at her, I remembered my experiences, I remembered how much I loved to practice the presence of God, and it really changed. So practicing God's presence is about being more aware of God all day long, and God is already aware of you. Jesus said, I am with you only part of the time. Always, yes, I am with you always. And then I love that Acts 17 phrase. For in him we live and move and have our being. So that's everything. That's taking showers. That's playing volleyball. That's all of the things that we do, going to work and facing the difficult coworker. Um, And then Isaiah 30 is, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice saying, this is the way walk in it. And it really does get to be that way where God is guiding us through our day. And so it it becomes, as Richard Foster said, prayer becomes kind of the main business of our lives. It's just how we roll. We were created to have this with God life to never be on our own. But it takes intentionality for us to decide to do this. Some of you are, uh, you remember Dallas Willard. The verse that I heard him quote more than any other verse was Psalm 16:8. I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. I shall not be moved. But that keeping the Lord always before me, the first freedom we have is where we put our mind. Keeping it there, and there's loads of ways to do that and I'll talk about some of those in a minute. But this really is possible. In fact, you wouldn't want to do it any other way. It's, it's fun to think that this, this is like, the, especially the extrovert's main discipline. But as an introvert, I found it to be really helpful. Think of the Apostle Paul. Here are the things he said besides pray without ceasing. He said, I always thank God for all of you mentioning you in my prayers. That's in First Thessalonians. Constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times, Romans 1. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith, First Thessalonians 3. Okay, this is not a guy who is on his knees all the time, right? Think of some of the things that happened to him that weren't so great. What are some of them? Prison. Yes, Prison. Shipwreck, Stone. stoned a few times. Yes, the lashes. And the time in, in Athens where he's standing up in front of all the intellectuals. In all of those times, the the scary ones, he was a real doer. So, you know that whole Mary Martha thing? Just totally forget that. Because... <laughs> If you're any kind of a decent Mary, and you're praying, and you're, and you're hearing God, and you're doing some of the things we, we did last night, you're gonna hear God say, let's go, let's go. You need to return that phone call. Remember that person. that you, You're gonna get nudges, and, and you're gonna go, okay. And it won't be obligatory. It'll be God saying, let's partner together. And then you're gonna get out there, and you're gonna serve as Martha, supposedly, And as you do it, you're gonna say, you know, this is like making me crazy. (laughs) I think I think I need to really pray about this, and you'll be using things like breath prayers that I talked about one last night and I'll talk about again. But it'll just be a rhythm of your life where you'll be all Mary, all Martha, all the time. And you just grow in that. And so that's how it seems, that's how it works. Thomas Kelly talks about living on two levels at the same time. This is not multitasking. This is about living on the level where you're right there in front of someone, but you're also praying for them at the same time. And that may sound complicated, but you, you just try it. And you just, you know, and you'll be able to do it off and on, and you'll find that it's just delightful. As I ended up praying for this this gorgeous young mom who I didn't know, and and it surprised me. But that's what the Holy Spirit is like. Surprises us. So as we think about that, the results are that you have friendship with God. You, have, you experience the glory of his goodness, which was in the song. And you want to think about the, the mark of biblical figures is their ordinariness of their conversations with God. If you look at Abraham... And you start with his story in Genesis 12. You know what? He's just talking about the covenant, I don't know, four or five times with God. They just like to talk about it. They just like to be in conversation about it. And then, oh, one more time, they're going to talk about it. That rhythm of prayer. Martin Luther said that to the Christian, even a sigh is a prayer because it becomes part of who you are. One of my favorite... um, Old uh, devotional master of Julianne of Norwich, who said, betwixt God and me, there is no in-between. That's how we were meant to live. Betwixt God and me, there is no in-between. And so it's a simple delight in God. And you've heard that verse, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That verse has been hijacked. To mean, this is how you get what you want from God. If you just will delight yourself. We're back to the vending machine. You put in the coin of delight, and then you get the goodies. You know what that verse is really about? If you delight yourself in God, God will become the desire of your heart. And all those things will be true in the song that we just sang. So Brother Lawrence, who wrote The Practice of the Presence of God, which Incidentally, I read it every month for like five years so I could try and get it. <laughs> but it's really, really short. It's, it's almost a bathroom book, almost. And he said, our only business is to delight ourselves, is to love and delight ourselves in God. And you've got to figure, he's a kitchen monk. And they said he was really overweight. So you can see him stumbling around the kitchen, you know, tripping over the monastery cat, stirring the soup, And he found great delight in God. He said sometimes in the kitchen, it was as if he was in the cathedral and he would just lay face down. Our life really does, can become like that. And so, my guess is that some of you are already doing this. And you just didn't know it counted. You just didn't know that there was a name for it. You thought you were just reflecting or even muddling or whatever, but you're probably doing it. So I'm going to give you some ideas, and then I'm going to ask you for some probably maybe unusual or maybe very usual things that you do. But one of the first things, of course, is the idea of having breath prayers. And the one I talked to you about last night was, show me this person's heart. But a breath prayer is usually only eight or nine syllables. Don't make it complicated, or it won't, it won't just come to mind. Um, the first breath prayer I ever had was, into thy hands. And that, of course, is out of Jesus' words on the cross. But the reason I had it is because I had this strong-willed three-year-old. <laughs> and I was always going, into thy hands. Take him now, please. <laughs> something help me Um, and somehow that that fit for me Um, uh, one of my favorite ones now is to be whatever situation I'm in is to be able to say bless penny right bless penny through me and I have no idea how God's gonna do that and I'm not gonna try and bless her but I will pray that prayer Bless whoever is standing in front of me, through me. And I just f- find that it changes my attitude, it changes my heart. It's a you, you begin turning all that self-talk, we t- all the committee members, all that stuff in your head, it, they become prayers instead of the things that you think about. Um, a lot of times, having reminders around can be really interesting. Uh, my parents were both accountants so for 40 years maybe i did my own income tax i know isn't that amazing and uh, the first 20 my mother was alive the next 20 they weren't and i think my income tax got very interesting i entertained the irs agents i'm sure but what i learned early on is that when i did it i became a different person very grouchy very upset Always, and I decided, no. And it was so different from the rest of my life. I went, I can't do this. So what I did is I decided to light a candle. And, and even now that I finally have a tax person whom I love, I still, when I do the prep, you know, you got to get all that stuff together. Um, I still use the candle. And the candle really helped me because the way it worked is through the roller coaster emotions of the day, I would see in my peripheral vision the candle, and I, would st- and I would say, yes, I see what to do, and thank you. Um, the more we welcome God into our thoughts and conversations, the more we desire God's presence everywhere, until prayer and work just blend together. They're not really different. Our conversations and actions can become holy ground in the sense that the burning bush was for Moses a place of conversation with God. There's no place in life that isn't a place of conversation. And then finally, um, a really important way to practice the presence of God uh, is to do the kind of thing that we, if you were here last night, that we did with scripture meditation. Especially as you are in a passage over the years, it just becomes part of you. So... The first 20 years that I taught scripture meditation, I used the um, parable of the lost sheep. It was short, to the point. It was easy. Um, and some of my favorite parts of it is that he, is that he picks them up. And this, the sheep is not a lamb. This is like a 300-pound animal, so you've got to see this. And he scoops up the sheep when he finds him, and he puts him on his shoulders. And it says, and he cheerfully does it. So he's not crabbing at him. And you can picture them walking home, and he's got this, this sheep. And, you know, are they telling sheep jokes or singing sheep songs? Whatever they're doing, this shepherd has managed to be cheerful. And I taught it so much, and it just became a part of my life. And um, when I was speaking once, um, I got a phone call that my father had shot himself. And I needed to get on a plane to Cincinnati, immediately. So I drove home from where I was speaking. I made the reservation, and they said, this is, this is a while ago. There, this is a cargo flight, so you can only have carry-on. And I'm like, okay. And I was kind of in a daze, and I had a three-legged flight because that was the fastest way to get there. And I remember coming out of a restroom. I had no idea where I was, what town I was in, and just kind of sliding down the wall and going, Okay, so where am I, and where am I, where am I going, and and when I got there, my s- sister picked me up, and she said, you know, because he had called 911, and then he called her because he hadn't died, and he said to her, "Sissy, I really messed up this time." And she said to me, "Do you think that means that he, he wished that he died? Do you think that means that he knows that?" This wasn't a good thing. And I said, I really don't know. And so I got to the hospital, and the nurse said, he's squeezing hands still, and he's waiting for you because we told him you were coming. And I remember sitting down, and there was a, the first, th- there was a fleeting thought that went through my head of, what cool thing am I supposed to say? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then it left. Because what had been in my mind from the time I got the call until I was sitting there was that I was being carried home on the shoulders of the shepherd. And the shepherd had me cheerfully on his shoulders. And that the shepherd was about to carry my father home on his shoulders. And that image had really sustained me, even in the confusion. And so as I sat down and that thought left my head, I I said, this is like that parable of the lost sheep. And I have been carried home on the shoulders of the shepherd and you're and I just began talking to him and he was squeezing my hand and and it living in the images of scripture. That face of Jesus as he scoops Peter up. The face of Jesus as he looks my I don't know what verse, it's in Mark 10, where the rich young ruler, where he looks at him and loves him. That's what the text says exactly. He says it, and then he says, he gives him the challenge and the invitation. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then come and be my disciple. I want you as my disciple, but there's something in the way here. That face of Jesus challenging me but looking at me and loving me what could be better so those are some of the ways that I have found that really help me practice the presence of God and I'm going to be asking you in a minute oh we are moving wow there's going to be loads of time for your suggestions so just let this the spirit speak to you but Kim are you here? here there she is Kim gave me this input last night that was really good. She said that sometimes people will ask her um, in in pastoral counseling, they will say, well, what if I don't feel God's presence? And so I only came up with an extra page, so it won't take too long. Um, First of all, I would switch the verb. I think feeling God's presence isn't the goal, and I would move towards sensing God's presence. Sensing God's presence is actually much more all-inclusive. Feeling is really isolated, and sensing God's presence will also involve your mind and the logic of your mind that knows that God is omnipresent, always present, no matter where we are, And then there's also God's manifest presence where we sense God's presence. But sensing helps you do that and helps you acknowledge that that's true. Sensing is also, i trying to figure out how to explain this, it's also something that happens in your body. There's just a weight to it. And I think that comes to me because um, I like to go out and look at the stars at night. And when you do that, or early in the morning, you you lie there and you say to yourself, the God of the universe who created all of this wants to be with us. That is so astounding and so weighty. And you want to do that on a regular basis because we lose sight of that. So sensing God's presence as as kind of a, a weight, a a sense of wonder. And when I say weight, I mean W-E-I-G-H-T. There's a weightiness to it that is just wonderful and a sense of wonder that God wants to be with me. And so sensing God's presence, and you still may say, that's not going to (laughs) help. Okay. So here are some kind of goofy things that um, I do and that I talk to my directees about. One, and this And the goal in all of these things, I'm telling you, these are not gimmicks. What I'm doing is I'm taking James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And God doesn't just meet you halfway. God meets you, I would say, 90%. And the 10% is your intentionality. What do you want? What do you really want? And if you want to draw near to God... It's going to happen so one of the things that that has helped many people is you're saying you're praying and you're going I just you know uh, put an empty chair in front of you and start talking to it I actually do that in spiritual direction sometimes when somebody is just really lost they feel like they're not connecting with God we're sitting like this and I will put an empty chair right here and I would say what is it you most want to say to God What is it you think God needs to know? And we're going to just imagine that God is in this chair, which actually is true. And what you're doing is you're not making stuff up because the reality that God is with you is more real than this lectern. 500 years from now, this will not be here. This will be ashes somewhere. But that reality will still be true. We're talking about issues of reality and what is real. And that is what is real. And a hundred years from now, for me, that will be more real than anything. Probably a lot less. (laughs) But that whole idea of just helping yourself with this. Another thing that, um, that I recommend is that you always have your conversations with God, your more lengthy ones. Have them in the same place. There's what um, devotional masters through the ages have called their thin places, the place where it's really easy for you to go and connect with God. If I'm talking to women, I call it building a nest. That doesn't work for you guys, so forget that. but that same rocking chair, that same room, that same place where you walk. I had a walk um, on, actually, if you know Simi Valley, Tapo Canyon Road. I used to walk right to the end. And um, and I, I have places where I can show you where I sat and cried over my daughter. This is where I said, you know, it's just a very thin place for me. Even as a kid, um, just to escape kind of the chaos at home, there was, I found this lake that was like, I don't know, less than a mile from me. And I would go there, and I would just, as a teenager, I learned just to be with God in the middle of that. Now, some of those conversations were very loud. Actually, some of them on Teppo Canyon have been very loud. And so I want you to know that loud conversations are a good idea. These are called imprecatory psalms. These are the ones we never read in church. Because they're very crabby. In fact, Psalm 69, 77, and 109 are homicidal. Here's the people I want you to kill. And and God, you know, God already knows you're you're feeling this way, so it's a really good idea just to have this conversation with God. And just for those of you who are overwhelmed by this, these psalms generally have a pivot which is a good thing to do. The pivot most often, then, is where the psalmist says, this is how you've helped Israel in the past, which brings up the idea of a gratitude list. Generally, every morning, I make a gratitude list on what happened the day before, and I include the goofiest things, you know, that I found the right pair of shoes. Um, This morning, I included... um, I, I just for the the deal last night I got this cute little chef salad and it was really very good and then I had to have Linda help me open the thing and I just include the just really small things and things that aren't a big deal and then I include really big things the person who said this and and all those kind of things um, that what the doctor said at the doctor's appointment and how reassuring she was those kinds of things so looking at how God had helped Israel in the past, another turning, another pivot in Psalms, this is a really weird one, is complaint, 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 and then you get to the last verse, I will bless the Lord. So see, there's some intentionality there, and you're still getting on board, but it is, I will bless the Lord. But my favorite is Psalm 139. Um, verses 19 through 22 are Don't I hate those who hate you, O God. I mean, they are venomous. And this is our warm, fuzzy psalm, right? I mean, it is horrible. And then it switches in verse 23. Who knows what it switches to? You know this verse. Yes! Search me, oh God, and know my heart. and heart. And, And you've just laid it out before God, right? But you're doing, search me, oh God, know my heart. See if there is any offensive way in me. You know, footnote, verses 19 through 22. Um, And then, lead me in the way everlasting, lead me forward. So loud prayers are a really good thing. And sometimes we're afraid to say all of those things. Um, And then finally, a favorite passage or a favorite song can be really helpful. Um, A song like the one that we did. Uh, an old hymn that you knew, or even Sunday school songs sometimes. I mean, I can just remember some of the the, the songs I sang as a little kid in Sunday school, and they're very, um, I don't know, It 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 just really helps me. And what you're doing is you're just reminding yourself of who you are. I had a situation a few days ago where I just could not get the right heart about a situation. I just could not get a right heart and want to do the right thing. And so I did a, I was walking a track and I just played the same song over and over. It's just one that had helped me in the past do the right thing. And I just played it. I bet I, well, I walked the track um, one and a half times. So I bet I played it 10 times. And I, I can't explain, but it really, really helped me, and I wasn't turning my eyeballs back on myself going, do I have a right heart yet? I just, I just walked and walked and did, and I loved the song, and I just immersed myself into it, and when I got ready to get back in my car, I was good. I had a right heart. So those are just some things that have helped me over the years to have a sense of God's presence when I, when I really have needed it. So I would love to hear from you. What There's two things I'm, I'm looking for. One would be the kinds of things maybe you do when you don't sense God's presence, but then also how you practice God's presence in everyday, ordinary activities. And I'm guessing I'm going to hear a lot about driving. So enlighten me. Help, help, us, help us help each other. What are some things that you have experienced? And you may say, oh, this one's too dumb. I can't say it. No, it's probably exactly what we all need to hear. Yes. They are. My mom was an accountant, so I used to go with her to deliver um, her the accounts because that's what she did, and then she would talk to the clients, and we we sang so many hymns that we kept a hymnal in the glove compartment. And my mom did not sing well, which made it more fun. Yeah. That is great. If you didn't hear her, she talked about that she has a, a booklet that she draws in. And she'll take a Bible verse and draw the scene. And she has the one booklet for the hardest times and one for the rejoicing times. That is really good. I've I have, There's a certain situation that's hard for me. But they have those coloring books, the new coloring books. And they're, they're largely psalms, and they aren't real complicated. I'm not as clever as you. And, um, and, and I'll just sit there and do that, and that's how I make it through that meeting. And I tell everyone, I'm listening, and I am, and I listen better because I'm doing that. And I hadn't thought of that as a way that I practice God's presence. That's great. Yes. As loud as you can, my dear. So could you hear that? That is a hoot, makes me want to rewrite my book. (laughs) Praying over trash. I mean, I didn't think that's where you were going.
2: Yes.
1: so if you didn't hear that he's talking about slowing down but then praying as he's in his car and you pray for the person who passes you um, in a very um shall we say evidentiary way um yes i think that i think that is actually such a formative practice Because the person is no longer an irritant, but a real person. And somebody's got something going on. And uh, that's, that's really good. Yes. So she is with God. She senses God when she's with her horses and her dogs, her animals. And she, she had her hand down like this, you know, the, that sense of peace that I'm sure she has when she's um, petting them. That's great. Yes, being in nature. And, you know, you may say, well, I don't have anything close to me. Uh, when I was first doing this, I lived across the street from Englewood Park Cemetery, and there was a slit in the fence. And I was over there talking to those stone angels. <laughs> Again, this was when the kids were young, and I was, ah! um But so you may find a place that surprises you. So you make a close connection with verses. Birds. Thank you. And as she's saying it, she's holding her throat, the connection with the birds. And it's really fun if you have a, if they can build a nest on your porch. That is really fun. And watching them make their first attempts to fly. Yes. Yes. The, the plants in her yard and how she sees God's creation in them. And you know... This is something people say all the time. But each of you who are talking about that and with your animals, you're talking about pausing or slowing, which is exactly what you said, that being able to pause in life. Most of those disciplines of abstinence are about pausing. But so is this one. This is about pausing in life, about not being the the most efficient person running through life. but being able to pause and look someone in the eyes when you talk to them and not see anybody else around you. So that it, it's so lovely when Jesus did his um, miracles, his healings, you know, he was so present to people. Yes. Ha <laughs> You're welcome. And I I love how you talked about loneliness that way, because you and I never have to be alone again. On the one hand, we really do have the presence of God with us all the time. And that's why I do goofy things like candles and, and stuff like that. But also, I don't have to be alone. Especially texting, I think, is very interesting. God is leading me to say, why don't, why don't you text a few people today and just tell them you're thinking about them. Think about it. Who, who are you thinking about? And just text them, you know, four or five words. Let them know. Because you know what it's like to receive one of those. And so to be able to do that for other people. You're right. Loving the neighbor streetwise. Yes. I go into my workplace yes. That's great. Could you hear her? She she goes into her workplace early or late and prays over her coworkers, And I think that standing at their stations is really helpful. It's really important to get your body involved in your spirituality. Your body belongs to the Lord, and the Lord for the body. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 6. And God wants to get your body involved in this. And I think that standing by the station really is an important thing about that. Yes. great. In her workplace, she uses instrumental worship music, so she's got all that good stuff going on in her head, and no one else is overwhelmed by the God word. Um, But my guess is that when you do that, it creates a presence at that gym and in your workplace that you are embodying your life with God, and I believe that that affects people. And you're not trying to. Right, right. Right. Yes. 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 Could you hear this? Wow. So what we have here is the practice, I would call this the spiritual practice of welcoming the stranger. She. not my nature. I'm like you. Yes. And in fact, I'm such an introvert that God has impressed upon me that the discipline of welcoming the stranger is very important. And so I'm trying to remember your first... Um, Oh, she talked about at church, she will look for the new person. This is really a big deal. I was a part of a church leadership time, I mean, because I thought I was pretty good at this, where we had a rule for the leaders that in the three minutes before the service and the three minutes after the service, you had to talk to someone you didn't know. Okay, so I thought I was like, really okay with all this. Ooh, it was such a game changer for me, it was really good. And then she told a story about being at Costco, and there was a woman who looked really confused. Gee, we can't imagine why. Um, and so she looked really confused, and Julie went up to her, and and probably spoke to her gently, and then hugged her, and you said a light hug. A light hug. You'll, be okay. You'll be okay. And when she, after she walked away, she saw this woman's daughter come up to her and speak to her very harshly, and it just led. Julie to pray for her Um, I think this is really a big deal and you don't always do it but you get a nudge and that really is the way it happens and it's not comfortable and And, but afterwards you're you're pretty glad so it's the open adventurous and reflective life that God leads us into that's really good well, thank you all for all of, oh, you have, was there another idea? Is that what that was? Okay, was there anyone else that had something they really wanted to share? I just have one other thing that occasionally I do, I like to do it more often, but like the Greek stories in the Old Testament about something wonderful happened to the built of monument. Yes. Process. Yes, keeping a memento that reminds you of something can be really helpful. I really like to do that and make it, and it's something probably very odd to be sitting on my desk. It looks a little out of place. Why do you have that? Um, And it just kind of, it reminds me of who I really am. Right when I'm going, oh, I don't want to call that person. And it reminds me of who I am in this world. So helpful to me. Thank you for all of your participation. It's been a blessing to hear your ideas. And I ask, oh God, help us to enjoy living in your presence, to be open, adventurous, and reflective, that the glory of to experience the glory of your goodness. We thank you for this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.